Good morning, everyone. My name is Dave, one of the ministers here. Uh, please keep your Bibles open at Luke 17. I'll lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word that you would speak to us, telling us truth and giving us hope. And Father, we do pray that you would open our ears, that we might hear and understand, but also that you would change our hearts to believe and to be transformed by this life-giving word. And we pray do that work in us by your powerful spirit. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, humans, I think, have always been interested in uh, the end of the world, uh, those apocalyptic, cataclysmic, kind of catastrophic events uh, that bring an end to life as we know it. Uh, you just think about how many doomsday movies there are. There is hundreds. Uh, maybe some of your favourites, Planet of the Apes or, or The Terminator. There's six of those, by the way. I didn't know that. Uh, Armageddon, another one. And here's my favourite, Wally. That's, the, that's a good one. I like that. Um, we're very interested in these, what's going to happen in the end? Uh, and it's always been that way. The people of Jesus' day were also interested in what is going to happen in the end. And so that's what we see the Pharisees coming to Jesus today. They have a question about the end of the world. They say, when will the kingdom of God come? That's a question about the end of the world. Right, they're asking, because they've been reading their Bibles, and they know that when the Messiah comes, you know, God's promised king, that he is going to bring uh, an overthrow of God's enemies. He's going to regather the people of Israel. He's going to rebuild the temple. And he's going to reestablish the kingdom of Israel so it is a global, worldwide reign of God over all things. And the Pharisees are asking Jesus, when is that coming? And did you see Jesus' answer? Interesting answer. He basically says, it's already here. The kingdom of God is in your midst or it is, it is among you. I heard this story of a student who went to his rabbi to ask him, is Jesus really the Messiah or not? And the rabbi didn't say anything. He just got up from his chair and he walked to the window and he looked out the window for a while. And then he turned to the student and said, Jesus could not have been the Messiah because nothing has changed. And I think the Pharisees would have been thinking that. They would have been thinking, Jesus, the kingdom of God has not come because nothing has changed. But what they don't recognise is what Jesus is saying. He's saying the kingdom of God is in your midst because I am in your midst. Right? You think about what's happened in Luke so far. Back in chapter 11, the Pharisees have accused Jesus of casting out demons by the power of Satan. And Jesus says, no, I'm doing it by the power of God. And what that proves is that the kingdom of God has come among you. Have a look at Luke 11.20. He says, if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. You see, the powerful works of Jesus are proof the kingdom of God has come here and now in Jesus. But it's not the fullness of the kingdom because things haven't changed that much, uh, but they will. And so it's this question that launches Jesus into talking about the coming of the kingdom of God in its fullness, uh, in its finality, when that is going to be. All right, and it's coming in the future. 
Jesus' coming began it, but it's going to be finished in the future. And so that's what Jesus is talking about in this passage, about what's going to happen when the kingdom comes. So we can break it up into three parts, and that's what we're doing this morning, uh, where the the coming kingdom of God will be delayed and unmissable, sudden and devastating, definitive and decisive. And so for some of us, this is going to be some new stuff. You're going to, be, you're going to learn something that's going to be really good to learn these things. Uh, but I imagine for a lot of us, it's going to be things we already know or have heard before. But here's the challenge for us. What difference is this knowledge making in your life? You see, because the coming kingdom of God, it's not just a truth to be understood with the mind, but it is an imminent reality that demands an urgent response. The coming kingdom of God is an imminent reality that demands urgent response from all people. And so as we look at what Jesus is saying about the future this morning, let's also be thinking about what does that mean for life in the present? How should we live now in light of what is coming? So the headings are going to try and help us do that. They're quite long, but I'll give you time to write them down if you're a note taker. Uh, And the first one is, the coming kingdom of God will be delayed and unmissable, so do not be led astray, but wait in hope. Now what we're calling here the the coming kingdom of God, Jesus has a different name for it. Uh, He calls it the day of the Son of Man. Now what he's doing there is, he's picking up on a uh, a reference from the book of Daniel, uh, where Daniel talks about the Son of Man. He talks about the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven and he's given authority and power to rule over all nations and he's given an everlasting kingdom. And Jesus picks up this name for himself to say, that's me, I'm the Son of Man. And so verse 22, we see the first one here where he says, the time is coming where you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. And what he's talking about is the time of delay before his second coming, right? When disciples would be longing for the return of Jesus, right? And the reason the disciples are longing for this return is because life is hard for disciples in this time of delay because it's a time of suffering, right? Because just as the world hated Jesus and rejected him, so they will hate and reject his followers, And so it's a hard time. And and just like if you are suffering, if you're going through something, you just want it to be over. You just want to get that relief. You just want to get through it. And and for disciples who are suffering, it's going to be a challenging time because they'll be tempted to follow false teachers who are going to give them a false hope that Jesus has already come, that the kingdom of God is here, that they can find relief if they follow them, these false teachers. And so Jesus, aware of this, says to them, he knows this, and so he says, verse 23, some will come along and say, there he is, or here he is. Basically saying, Jesus has come. Relief is here. If you, if you follow me, I'll show you. And Jesus says, don't follow them. Don't listen to them. Because they're going to be tempted to go running after them and find relief, but it'll be false teaching. And so Jesus wants his disciples to know, do not worry, you will not miss my coming. Uh, Verse 24, and that is because in verse 24 he says, for the Son of Man in his day will be like lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. Uh, We had a a mega lightning storm here a few weeks ago, you remember that? 
Yeah, if you were here, you couldn't miss the lightning storm, could you? Uh, there was a tree on Russell Street that is no longer a tree. <laughs> it got hit and it just got obliterated, like it's just leaves everywhere. Uh, if you were enemy planes that time around here, you did not miss the storm. And, and Jesus is saying that's what it's going to be like when he returns. It will be unmissable for people. Right, so do not be led astray, but wait in hope until that day comes. You will not miss it. Now, we might think in, you know, in our time, we don't have the danger of following false teachers. Uh, there was this guy, one example, Harold Camping. Uh, he predicted the coming of Jesus a few times, actually. Uh, but the latest one was on May 20, October 21st, or May 21st, I got that wrong, May 21st, two thousand. And 11. Now, I'm, I'm guessing we're not in danger of believing that. We wouldn't have chased after that. But maybe we would have been tempted a bit more if we were longing for the kingdom of God more than we do. You see, I think the problem that we have is that life is so comfortable that we don't really long for the kingdom of God like we should. But you think about Christians all over the world, you think about Christians in North Korea or the Middle East, or Africa. Right, those who are in underground churches, those who have lost their homes, those who have lost family, those who are in prison, right, I bet you that they are longing for the return of Jesus. You don't have to tell them to hope in the coming of Christ or to pray for that. But for us, I think we are in danger of that. We're, we're in danger of not being led astray with a false hope, but just being led astray from hope altogether. Right? Because we are so comfortable where we are right now. And so for us, as, as, as disciples of Jesus, must really work hard at cultivating a longing for the coming of Christ. To know this world is not as it should be. This world is not heaven on earth. It must be those who are praying. We pray the Lord's Prayer and we pray, your kingdom come, that we, we mean that. When we pray like Paul, come Lord Jesus, come, we, we are longing for the coming of Christ. Right? We want to be those who are setting our hope on the grace that is to come when Jesus returns and not on this earth and the things of this earth. See, life, life is not easy for disciples at this time of delay right? because the world around us is, is pulling us in a totally different direction. Right, so Jesus wants to help his disciples, wants to help us. He brings up some examples from the past of people that lived in times just like ours so we can learn from them. So he brings up Noah and he brings up Lot. Uh, you might know these people. They're examples of remaining ready in judgment. Uh, and that's point two here. The coming of the kingdom of God will be sudden and devastating. So do not be conformed to the world, but ready for rescue. So you can read about Noah in Genesis 6 um, and you can read about Lot and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19. And what Jesus does is he likens his day, the day of his coming, to their day. So he says that, verse 26, he says, Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. Just like it was in the days of Lot, verse 30, so it will be on the day of when the Son of Man is revealed. And, and what makes these days alike is the suddenness and the devastation. 
right? There's a suddenness to the judgment. Verse 27, uh, in the days of Noah and Lot, did you notice people are eating and they're drinking and they're marrying and they're building and they're selling and they're planting and they're building and they're doing these things right up to the day that Noah enters the ark and the rain starts, right? Right up to the day when Lot and his family leave Sodom and Gomorrah. Right? The, the judgment day was so sudden that people are just involved in these normal everyday activities, eating and drinking. They're planning for the future. They're getting married. They're building. They're planting. And they're doing it right up to the moment that judgment comes upon them. Because it is so sudden. But also, the, the judgment is devastating. Did you see that? Verse 27, the flood came and destroyed them all. And then fire and sulfur rained down from heaven, verse 29, and destroyed them all. Right, one day, business as usual. The next day, life is over. And Jesus is saying, so it will be on the day that he returns. Right? We know so many people are not prepared for this. I was walking around. I was in a crowd the other day, a big crowd. Oh, sorry, different illustration. Uh, I was driving up the mountain the other day. We'll get to the other one later. And you, you would know if you drive up the mountain, there's this sign up there, isn't there? It's the fire danger rating sign. Um, it was 40 degrees on Thursday when I went up, so it was extreme. Um, but you can see there, each level of danger has a matching response, doesn't it? So moderate, plan and prepare. High, be ready to act. Extreme, Take action now to protect life and property. And there's catastrophic, which is for your survival, leave bushfire risk areas. Now, if this sign is around in the days of Noah and Lot, what is it, what is it set to? Catastrophic. Okay, leave the area. But so many people ignored that warning. Right now, this is happening in our time. The, the coming of Christ that we read about in the scriptures has set the sign across our world to catastrophic. Right? And it's this reality that demands an urgent response from people, but so many people are ignoring it. Right? One of the challenges for disciples is that as we live among people like this that are not prepared, that we start to live just like them. Right? That we be those who are conformed to the world and their way of thinking rather than transformed by the way the scriptures teach us to be ready and so I wonder how are you, how are you going with that how are you going with that uh, I, was, I was walking around a crowd of people um, yesterday and this was on my mind it, it struck me as I walked around so many people I thought so many of these people are not ready for what is coming I know that but another thing that struck me was I wouldn't be thinking this unless I'd been reading my Bible that morning, which I had been. I'd been looking at this passage for this sermon, and I was thinking, I wouldn't have been thinking this if I hadn't been reading the Scriptures. But I would have just been like the crowd, just thinking like they're thinking, doing what they're doing. All right, so if we are those who are going to be ready for the judgment that is coming, we must be people who keep hearing the Word of God, keep hearing the warning from God that only comes to us through the Scriptures. Right? People who are reading our Bibles, who are believing it, who are responding uh, in readiness. 
But you might ask, that, that is good, but, but how do we do it? How do we ready ourselves for the coming of Christ? Well, that's the third point uh, that Jesus gets on to. Uh, and it comes along as saying, the coming kingdom of God will be definitive and decisive, so do not doubt the promises of God, but follow Jesus. You see, Jesus' coming will bring a definitive end to the world as we know it. Right? It's kind of like a doomsday event. Uh, you've got to be ready for that day because there will be no time to get ready once it comes. Okay, So Jesus talks about people who are on the house. There's no time to go back into the house to get your bag packed. If you're out in the field, no time to run back and get what you need before you've got to go. Right? You need to be prepared because it'll be definitive, but also because it's going to be decisive in that it's going to, it's going to be the, the time, the moment when people's eternal destinies are set and decided. So do you see what Jesus was saying? There's going to be two in the one bed, one taken, the other left. Two grinding at the mill, one taken, the other left. Right? There'll be no appeals, no second chances. Right? This decision will be final. So this tells us you must be ready before it happens. Uh, it won't surprise you to hear that the internet has a lot of tips on how to be ready for doomsday. Does that surprise anyone? Um, no, it shouldn't. Um, in the event of an apocalypse, um, there's these people called preppers. Have you heard of these? I hadn't. Eight Church had like all heard of it, so I don't know what they're watching on the telly. But this is a TV show. Um, preppers. People proactively preparing for doomsday. Obviously, been a renewed interest in this since the COVID pandemic, um, and they encourage stockpiling of supplies, probably toilet paper, uh, learning survival skills like hunting, uh, and having a survival kit packed and ready to go, probably near the front door or in the, you know, in the car or something. Uh, because when doomsday comes, it's going to be too late for all that stuff. You've got to be ready. Right? And, and we want to be preppers too, don't we? But we want to be preppers for the kingdom of God. We want to be ready uh, when Jesus comes back. It's not about having your bag packed. It's about having your heart prepared and in the right place. Uh, and that's what this final little bit is about. Um, Jesus has a funny way of doing this. Uh, he says to his disciples, remember Lot's wife. Okay, simple enough. Just remember Lot's wife. That's all you've got to do. Uh, maybe you don't know about Lot's wife, um, but you can read about her. When Lot was fleeing Sodom with his family, uh, one of the angels who sort of got him out of there said, flee for your life and do not look back. Flee for your life, do not look back. But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. That's, that's how it reads in the scripture. She became a pillar of salt because she looked back. See, but what was happening was her heart was not in the right place. She had heard the word of God, but she did not believe the word of God and she disobeyed the word of God. Disciples, on the other hand, must be those who hear the word of God, those who hear the promise of Jesus and they, they believe it and they obey it. And so Jesus gives a little summary form of, of what it means to be his disciple when he says, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it and whoever loses their life will preserve it. And, and he's, he's actually hearkening back to something that he said in chapter 9, uh, which was about how to be a disciple. Right? You, you save your life by losing it. Okay, You'll know this line, you deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Jesus. 
Right? You lose that old way of life that you've been going and you follow in the new way that Jesus is going. Right? You trade in the way of, of sin right, for the life of following Jesus. And it is a terrific trade, by the way, because the old way leads to death and the new way leads to life, eternal life. Great trade. Uh, but it's not an easy road. Uh, in Luke's Gospel, Jesus is heading to the cross. He's heading to Jerusalem, he's heading to the cross, he's heading to death, and he's telling people to follow him. Uh, because he knows before he comes into his kingdom, ultimately, he must suffer. He must go through the cross. So verse 25, he says that. Have a look in your Bibles. Verse 25. First, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Right? He must suffer death on the cross because this is the way of salvation. Right? Because Jesus' suffering was for the sins of his people. The judgment that we deserve from God for our sin was taken by Jesus and he was punished for it. And he suffered it and satisfied the wrath of God so that we would not have to. So that we could be those who are forgiven and given eternal life. All right? We can be those who turn from our sin to trust in him. Right? That can only happen because Jesus suffered the way that he did. And so we ready ourselves for his coming by getting our heart in the right place, which means believing the promise of God to us in Jesus. Putting our trust in him and following his way. Hopefully you can see the coming kingdom of God that we've been looking at here is not just that truth to be understood, although it is that, but it's an imminent reality that demands an urgent response because the kingdom of God is, is right now as well. It, it is among us. Right now is the time to enter the kingdom of God. Not, not then and later, but right now. Right, Jesus has opened the way through the cross and he says, he says, come, believe in me, enter the kingdom of God. And so we can do that now and, and we must do that now so that when he comes, we will enter it fully and finally with him forever. That's the response that the coming kingdom calls for, to enter God's kingdom right now through faith in Jesus. Now, as a good illustration to sort of wrap all these things together. It comes from The Pilgrim's Progress. Who's heard of this book? Uh, it's an old book, very famous book. Uh, it's an allegory of the Christian life. Uh, it's about a man called Christian who learns from his book, that the city that he currently lives in is going to be destroyed. Uh, and he is distressed by this, so he goes back to his family and he tells them. And they think he's gone mad. They say, you must have a fever. Lie down, have a rest, you'll be okay in the morning. But he has a terrible night's sleep. He can't think of anything else. And so in the morning he gets up and he says, I'm leaving this city because it's going to be destroyed. Come with me if you want to be saved. And as he's going, his neighbours all come out and, and they're mocking him and they're threatening him and they're actually calling him to come back. Some of them even go after him and try to force him by reason to come back to the city. But Christian doesn't listen to him. He keeps going. He does not look back. Right? He, he enters through the narrow gate and he follows the path to the celestial city as the story goes on. 
And right, so this is the challenge for us as we live in this time and this place, uh, this time before the coming of Jesus, is that we live in a world that wants to turn us from hope, wants to turn us from the path of following Jesus, wants to conform us to its way of thinking that there is no God, that there is no judgment. Right, but God is calling us to believe the warning in his word. Right, he's calling us to be those who wait in hope for the things that he has promised. Right, to ready ourselves uh, for the salvation that Jesus is going to bring. Because right, the same Jesus who died and rose again is coming back. But this is, what, this is the hope that we have if you are a follower of Jesus, if you trust in him is that when he returns, it will not be for your judgment, but it will be for your salvation. Right? We set our hope on the grace that will come to us when Jesus returns, right? of his loving favour and welcome and of entry into the fullness of his kingdom for all time. Right? That is the hope that we have. Uh, that is the hope that we must long for and pray for and live for. Uh, let us ask God now uh, to do that work for us in prayer. Let's join together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word that you have taught us this morning. Uh, Father, we thank you for the amazing hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, in his kingdom, uh, in his having authority and power to rule over all nations. And Lord, we know now is the time to enter your kingdom. I pray, Lord. Uh, that we would do that. If we have not already, that we would turn from our way of sin uh, to trust in Jesus who died for our sin. And we pray, Lord, that you would keep us on that path following him. Uh, help us not to look back or turn to the side, uh, but to keep trusting and following. Lord, help us to keep hearing your word so we might be directed in that way. And Father, we pray by the power of your spirit, grow in us a longing for the coming of Christ. Lord, give us an eager expectation for that day. Help us to pray for it and help us to live for it now as your disciples. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, the band's going to come up and we're going to sing. Uh, the Chips and Chat guys, I'll just ask you all, and girls, just ask you to wait till we've started singing before we take off together. All right, please stand. <laughs>